Hey there, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Denise Lee, and I'm a life coach specializing in traumas and addictions. And today, I want to talk with you about this idea of healing from intergenerational trauma. We've all heard of it, especially for those of us who are living in America. But what does that really look like? And more importantly, have you been impacted by traumas from your parents and great-great-grandparents? Well, today we're going to be talking about the impact of intergenerational trauma and most importantly, how you can heal from it. This is a very sensitive subject, so I just want you to be in a safe space mentally as you listen to it because we may be talking about things that may bring up some triggering issues. So listener discretion is advice. Okay, we will get to all of that coming to you after this short break. Hey there, and we're back. I am so glad that you are choosing to spend your time with me. Before we get into anything, I just want to just have a big disclaimer that this particular podcast episode and just this podcast in general is not intended to provide mental health advice. This is only for informational purposes. No material in this podcast is intended to be a substitute for professional mental health care, diagnosis, or treatment. Please always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified mental health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new mental health care regime. And please never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something that you've heard from me today. Okay? That all being said, thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with me. Please be sure, if this is your very first time listening, to hit the follow, subscribe button wherever you're listening. I see a very growing audience on Spotify. Yay! Very excited to see that. Thank you so much for just choosing to invest in your mental health and mental well-being. The Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast is not just designed for introverts or for entrepreneurs. It's designed for anyone who's choosing to understand themselves in a deeper and more spiritual level. Too many of us are just going through the motions, going to our job or our business or whatever, but we're not really investing in ourselves emotionally and spiritually and psychologically in this This is just part of doing the work so that we can be able to go from just living to thriving. And I'm just so excited that we are embarking on this journey together because heavens knows we all need each other for this huge project that is called living life. Okay. If you have been listening and have been enjoying what you've been listening to, thank you so much in advance for sharing this podcast with somebody else. Thank you for writing a review. That way it signals to me what you've been loving and it signals to other people that this is a podcast that's worth listening to. So thank you in advance for doing that. Also, check out info.denisetlee.com slash connect. There you'll be able to join my weekly mailing list. I drop them every Monday morning, give some resource as well as a thought of the week that will help you prioritize what you're thinking about and most importantly, how you want to interact with other people. We're not going to be intimidating people with threats or seducing people with guilt and shame. We're going to be communicating with love and that is because we are able to understand our needs and communicate that with others. So thank you in advance for joining my mailing list if that is something that's of interest to you. Also, check out Energy, that is my free Marco Polo sharecast, where it's a little different from most of social media, where 
instead of just other people seeing who's commenting and you can comment on other people's comment, none of that work is happening. All it is is me showing up authentically, sharing my thoughts and concerns about a certain issue, and you can be able to communicate with me privately directly. I love Marco Polo, where it takes out all the stress and the anxiety of commenting and just has a really one-on-one relationship between who's speaking and who's listening. So check that out, energy. Also, you can learn more about me and why my life coach specializing in traumas and addiction, all that fun stuff at info.denisegeelee.com slash connect. Okay. If you have been listening and loving this podcast and would like to share your thoughts with me, I would so enjoy hearing your voice. Check out anchor.fm slash Denise G. Lee. You'll be able to leave me a voicemail message. Please let me know in the beginning or the end of the voicemail message whether or not I have permission, obviously, to air your lovely voice in the next upcoming podcast. would love to get, obviously, your permission. And also, please let me know if there's something that you want to hear more of or less of. I'd like to hear that too. There's no such thing as a bad feedback. So thank you in advance for that. Now, this conversation is definitely something that is not a one-on-one issue. But I will say that my course, Amazing Attitude, is definitely a step in the right direction. Amazing Attitude is a self-study 21-day program where I jump into your inbox every day for 21 days and give you a very special empowering message about who you are, what matters to you most, how you want to show up, and most importantly, what are you doing in your life to make you feel good. Amazing Attitude is definitely something that is a passion for me to be able to, that everyone can emerge at the end of 21 days with an amazing attitude. So check that out. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes below, but also you can get in contact with me and discuss in far detail everything that what I'm talking about because I definitely want to fully support you wherever you are at emotionally and mentally. And lastly, the life script is definitely something that is a going to be a much needed resource. If you identify with some of the things I'm going to talk about with intergenerational trauma, oftentimes we are doing things on autopilot based on messages that we receive, not just from our family members, but from our culture and society at large, and that impacts how we choose to show up and interact with other people. If that is causing you to have frustrations with interacting with yourself and other people, understanding how your life script, meaning how you were scripted by your trainers, your mother, your father, your culture to interact with other people is going to be really helpful for you. So I'm going to also leave a link for taking your life script is a free little quiz that I've created to help you understand who you are. Okay, so check that out. Okay, let's get straight into it. We've all heard of intergenerational trauma. For example, for those of us who are living in America, United States of America, we've heard of the impact of those of who came from African descent, the slavery, and the subsequent discrimination that's intergenerational trauma, the impact of not having, being recognized as a human being, to being discriminated, to redlining, to so many infractions that were impacted specifically those people of African descent. That's real. The people from Ireland who suffered from the potato famine, that's another issue that impacts their culture. Just very grinding poverty on top of cold, on top of not able to provide for the family. There's a reason why a lot of Irish people 
uh, came over to the United States because they literally had no other option. We all know about the Jewish people and the Holocaust. Jewish people have suffered throughout even the days of Persia, so much discrimination and persecution. We talked about people who have experienced persecution in the Serbian and Afghanistan wars, women and children and those who come from specific cultural backgrounds. And I, I want to talk about also Chinese people who have suffered from the China, uh, cultural revolution. And this little bit I want to share with you actually doesn't come from me. It comes from a young lady, well, she's not young, a writer named Judy Lin. She wrote it June 16, 2022. It was quote unquote, her love song. That's the title of the article, Love Song to Costco, which brilliantly, poignantly talks about what intergenerational trauma, what that looks like and how that impacts people. So if you'll indulge me, I want to read a little excerpt from her article, Love Song to Costco. Sometimes I go to Costco in Texas just to see other Asians, where I project my past and future onto the families there. I watch sensible middle-aged Asians, Asian parents strolling through the aisles, scanning for Kirkland products for their relatives back home, gifts such as vitamins, salted walnut, and anti-aging creams. Like my parents, they look for the cheapest thing with a made in a USA sticker that would simultaneously convey their own success and justify their abandonment of a former home. I make up stories about them in my head. Do they, like my family, pull up with their Asian neighbors in a row of Toyotas each Sunday at the Costco parking lot? Do they buy in bulk the favorite food of their adult children and freeze it until they come home? Do they feel in some way that this is the safest place in America? My favorite people to watch are the young Asian couples pushing carts piled high with toilet paper and granola bars, doing mental arithmetic on cost per unit comparisons. They're absorbed in the comfortable task of mundanity. In a stroller next to them, a baby sucks his thumb and gazes out at the mountains of things around him. My parents are born in 1962, the tail end of the Cultural Revolution, and the Great Chinese Famine. The fields lie barren, all the shoots dug up, the trees stripped of bark, caused partially by natural disasters and partially by terrible agricultural policies. The famine left roughly 35 million people dead, but my parents don't know that yet. Nobody knows the real body count. One only hears whispers of bodies lying in the streets or villages. Some of them disappear and are never found. Nobody speaks of what happens to them. Food shortages and poverty continue to haunt the country for decades. In a grainy photo taken at the beach, my young father and his college friends are so thin that I can easily count their ribs. My father grows up drinking rice porridge and being the younger of son of six children, occasionally has a des- desiccated olive to suck on while my aunts watch with envy. This is what it means to be the favorite. 
This is what it means to be a son. He nurses that olive for an entire meal because it's the only dish. When guests arise, his parents boil an egg and serve it to the practical stranger or obnoxious neighbor while their own children watch from behind the doorframe, imagining the burst of yolk amid the soft white crumble. The family, like all families in China at the time, couldn't get enough food even if they had all the gold to sell, but my grandmother would still hoard gold for the rest of her life. Her last gift to me is a single gold earring taken off her left ear lobe at her 94th birthday banquet. She mumbles something with toothless mouth in the regional dialect I've never learned. My aunt translates for us, quote, she says, for your diary. My grandmother nods fiercely, puts it in my palm, and closes my fingers over it. During the famine, unable to feed six children, my grandparents send my third aunt, my dad's older sister, to the countryside to be raised by a distant relative. She will survive there somehow, they tell themselves. But the conditions outside the city are even worse. Along with other starved and desperate farmers, my aunt pulls wild grasses and weeds from the cracked soil and eats them boiled. Years later, when she finally returns to the family, no one thanks her. Quote, why is third aunt so fat? I asked my father then in elementary school. She's not really fat. So does she eat a lot? I reply, it has nothing to do with eating. My aunt lives the rest of her life with a bloated face and body turgid from the plant poisons she's ingested. Every year, she sews me pajama pants in the ugliest fabric with elastic waistbands. And each night, I still go to sleep under the duvet covers she made for me. She works at a crematorium and uses her connections to help everyone in our family get a nice plot. In her early 60s, she is diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. We hide it from her so she can die ignorance. Within six weeks, she does. I want to pause right there in the reading. It's a very very emotional read. I'm also going to leave a link in the show notes below if you actually want to read the whole thing in context because it's worth a good read to understand that intergenerational trauma is not just limited to people of African descent or Jewish people. It can happen literally to anyone. And just to be very clear about intergenerational trauma, it is something that needs to be healed in order for you to be able to live a healthy and fulfilled life. Oftentimes, we think of intergenerational trauma as specifically having to do with war or slavery. But as you listen just now, intergenerational trauma, obviously with political issues, deals with lack of access to food. My husband is Chinese, and I remember he would always say that Food is such a huge, big part of the culture. And part of the reason is because my my parents, sorry, pardon me, my in-laws had to deal with the Cultural Revolution. And that strongly impacted not just my in-laws, but my brother as well. My brother, brother-in-law is five inches shorter than my husband is because he barely, sometimes he would his only meal was a bowl of rice. And that caused a lot of heart and pain. And as a result, in his 50s now, 
my brother-in-law suffers with obesity issues because he can't just get enough food because there is never enough and he overeats and overconsumes and because when as he was a child growing up his mother my mother-in-law would encourage him to eat 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 especially when they came to America and they 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 put a huge stock on having him copiously eat and I also want to say this too because this just came to my mind just now about intergenerational trauma with respect with spousal marital abuse. There are too many, specifically women, and now we're also hearing stories of men, but specifically women who have literally watched verbal, physical, and then sometimes unfortunately sexual abuse at the hands of a male relative. And because nobody wants to get anyone quote unquote in trouble with the law or put shame on the family or embarrass anybody, we have observed people keeping family secrets of incest and rape and all this type of abuse that could have been easily nipped in the bud in one generation and it goes from the grandparents to the parents to the kids and unfortunately the grandkids and this cycle just builds over and over again and so what I want to talk about is this idea of what is it look like well it can be any type of chronic meaning over a period of time or acute meaning one specific very poignant experience where someone has been violated emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, where no one feels a sense of safety. And as we think about the messages that we pass on to from our kids to the next generation, we don't just pass on information about how to earn money or what you want to do as a profession or where you should live or what constitutes as a good family, what your religion is. We also inadvertently can pass on biases and stereotypes and misconceptions or the inability to communicate wants and needs. And that's why I talk about an amazing attitude so much about this idea of being able to communicate with love rather than intimidating people with threats or seducing people with guilt and shame, that we have a third option, that we can be able to express our needs without getting into gamey behavior, meaning that we're not being very clear and forthright about what we want and what we need and what we expect from others. The only way that you know that you love yourself and anybody around you is by the commitments that you're willing to make and keep. And first and most importantly is making the commitment to yourself about who you are and what you will and will not tolerate. But for so many of us, if you've been in a situation where people were not clear about what they wanted or what was expected, or perhaps there was so much turbulence, perhaps you grew up in an environment where there was financial uncertainty. I remember thinking about one particular story where I had a client, her grandmother literally put money underneath her bed. She was not even born during the depression area, but her father deeply instilled to her a deep fear of trusting the bank and trusting the system. And when the grandmother died, lo and behold, there was like thousands of dollars underneath her old little twin size mattress because she refused to trust the quote-unquote system to protect her money and this is what I'm talking about where nobody questions 
the reason behind what was going on. And then the generation of misconceptions can just spill on to the next generation, the next generation, and the next generation. And as we're talking about intergenerational trauma, what we really need to be asking is what exactly was happening for them to come to that conclusion? What was exactly happening where somebody was caused caused so much damage, they were not able to trust themselves and their own thoughts, let alone their ability to protect themselves. This is a conversation that is really worthwhile having because I think too many of us have not been able to have those honest conversations because to be honest with with you, when I think about my family, I think about some of the, some of the clients or the people that I've worked with over the years, there was never the space to be able to communicate their fears and their worries and anxieties. It was always quickly blown over because to be quite frank, it was uncomfortable because they didn't have the tools themselves to understand their feelings. And the fact that you're actually listening to this podcast sets you whoa, so heads and heads above everybody else in terms of like your willingness and your desire. Because to be honest with you, feelings and thoughts and pains are really hard if you haven't had the tools nor the desire to be able to unpack and express that. More often than not, so many of us have been so used to self-medicating with bread or booze. I call it the BB combination because if you're most people, they self-medicate themselves with alcohol or they'll self-medicate themselves with bread, uh, simple simple carbohydrates, or just straight up sugar candy, or and they literally just try to suppress the feelings. The unfortunate part about it is that every time you suppress your feelings about guilt or shame or anxiety or worry that comes from those past hurts that you didn't even necessarily experience yourselves. It's kind of like you're, imagine like a coil, a big tight coil. And the more pressure that you put down on it, you're putting more potential energy down. Like, gosh, help me. I'm going to physics here talking about this, but just indulge me on this. So imagine you've got this coil and you're pressing it further down and down. And you're trying to suppress it. And imagine if you kind of just let up the pressure, how explosive the reaction is, the actual energy. And that's because of the energy from those feelings never went away. So imagine going back to the example of that client who had the grandmother who had that then money that was underneath her couch. Imagine the stories that she told my client's parents about how to view the system and how she they should be worried about where to invest their money or how they should make money or or even more often than I hear stories of, well, don't bother collecting the money because you'll lose the money because somebody will try to take the money away from you. And then my client's fear of not being able to become successful because in, in part is because fear that somebody will take it away. This is an example of intergenerational trauma and it needs to be discussed because it's so very important. All people who want to achieve success in their lives and their their professional life, their personal life, they have to work through the in, inner junk that comes from not just from themselves, but from other people that have impacted them. Carl Jung, the, a world-renowned psychologist, he was protege of Sigmund Freud in his book, The The Archetypes and the Collective Unconscious, talks about this idea that 90% of our thoughts 
more, heck, even a little bit larger of that, is actually not conscious thoughts. It's our unconscious thoughts. And within that part, there's, wait, there's more. There's our collective unconscious thoughts, meaning that the thoughts from our family and our culture, and that impacts the, the decisions that we choose to make. And so unless we make our unconscious conscious, we will re- keep repeating the same things over and over again and calling it fate. That's not me. That's actually Carl Young talking about this. And so this whole point of healing from interjectional trauma is actually identifying what happened in my family that was very pervasive. Was it a, was it financial security? Was it emotional security? Was there violence in the home where feelings unable to be expressed? Was there alcoholism? Was there addiction in the home? Anytime there's addiction in the home, there is trauma. Trust and believe it. Even if there's no kids in the situation, even the spouse of the addict is suffering through trauma because living with an addict who's actually in the midst of their addiction is unable to be able to express their thoughts or their feelings accurately. And I just want to just put a little sidebar that I I want to talk about people who consume alcohol, copious amounts of alcohol. There is no safe amount of alcohol. Okay, guys, I understand that I live in the United States and FDA said for most people, the men can safely drink up to up to three drinks and women one to two drinks safely. But look, here's the thing. When you drink enough alcohol, what happens is that you impact your amygdala. Okay. Your amygdala is kind of your ability to regulate your emotions and your feelings. And moreover than that, every time you're consuming copious amounts of alcohol, it is a poison. You disable your ability to understand and regulate your emotions and understand social situations. That's why you always see when people get drunk, they're either slumped against the wall about to pass out because it's a depressant or they're just behaving socially inappropriate and just doing wild things because they've just put the shot into oblivion, their ability to regulate themselves. So I truly advocate for people who have been in a family of addicts, or they have had addiction issues to just, there's no such thing as safe consumption of alcohol, just abstain from it. That's just my own professional, personal opinion about that. So that being said, if you've been exposed to addicts, if you've been exposed to situations where there was financial harm or or just uncertainty about where to live or or who to relate to, all those type of issues, violence, especially that that permeate from one generation to another. Like for example, if you if you can easily say, well, my mother and my father, uh, they all were came from families of drunks. Odds are, yes, that's the story of intergenerational trauma. Or you can say, well, my my mother and my grandmother, they both had weight issues because they felt insecure about their bodies. This intergenerational trauma about food. It comes in all sorts of flavors. But the whole point of this conversation about intergenerational trauma is that it, if trauma could be passed through the generations, so can healing. And the way we can heal is obviously, first and foremost, understand the messages that are coming to you. That's why I have the life script to help you kind of decode and unpack what that really looks like. Also, being able to talk about your feelings. I know that you may not have had that safe space to be able to talk about your feelings because nobody even knew how to deal with it. It was uncomfortable, so they'd rather shut it down. I would invite you to invest in Amazing Ad to engage in a conversation with me 
or or heck talk with somebody else if if you so desire and really unpack and understand how were you impacted by an generational trauma it's not something that you need to quote unquote get over okay anyone who has tells you to get over it clearly hasn't done the work within themselves to be able to have that empathy to understand that it can last generations and lastly what i want to talk about intergenerational uh, healing is that this is definitely something that it's a layer effect. It's an onion peel where every time you think that you're done with one issue, then there's another issue. So I just wanted to say being gentle with yourself throughout the process of understanding that this, even though you may not have the support from your family to talk about the intergenerational pain, there are people that are interested in healing healing from incest, healing from addiction. That's why they have Al-Anon. That's why they have so many different support groups where you can be able to talk with someone and please talk with someone who actually is doing the work. Because oftentimes, if you're just talking to any random person, they might encourage you to do things that will further create more um, inter-emotional wounds. Okay. And I know I talked about a lot in the, our time with one another, but I just wanted to say that intergenerational trauma is not just limited to one particular culture or ethnicity or religious group. It happens to everybody for cultural, political, financial, emotional issues. And if that is something that impacts your family, it's worth discussing. And that's why I mentioned doing this live script so that you can be able to examine your particular history. I talked about amazing attitude for you to understand how you relate with other people and how messages from the past impacted you. And lastly, understand that you should reach out for support and just don't be silent about it because there is somebody else who is doing the work who also can also benefit from your experience, strength, and hope. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, be so kind and share this podcast with somebody else. And write a review that signals to me and everybody else that this was a valuable time to experience. Okay. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be awesome.